Hi, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of the Sam Wise Yaboinski podcast brought to you by the First Church in Belmont Unitarian Universalist. I'm Chris. And I am Samuel. And we're so grateful uh, to have you here. exciting that the very first guest on the pod is our very own Ian Garvey uh, for so many reasons, um, not the least of which is that he's super fancy and understands the audio side of everything. But also, you know, we just have had such a crazy year and a half. And of all of us, of all of the staff who I'm so grateful for everybody opening and facing the transition and getting so creative, really, Ian, more than any of us, Ian's job entirely changed. I mean, the whole point of what we get to do together in music was just utterly different and stripped away. So I'm so grateful, um, both beyond the pandemic and even before, so grateful to get to build this moment of the church with you, Ian, but then also having faced all this and and now moving into this next phase. So anyway, we're so grateful that you're here. Uh, yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Ian. Welcome. Thank officially. you so much. I'm really, really glad to be part of this. And I'm I'm excited to hear where this podcast goes and, and get to know more members of the community. It's going to be great. Yeah, it is. And so we have a bunch of questions that we've uh, have some of which we'll we'll share with lots of the guests. Um but also just like on our way to get to know everybody a little bit better. Um, so one of them, which we had was to sort of share about a teacher that you have had and anything in that that teacher's teachings have been resonating um, in this in this moment. So, um, yeah. Is there anybody in all the many teachers that you've had that comes to mind? Oh, yeah, actually. Um so there is there is somebody that that comes to mind specifically. It it sort of goes back a little bit uh, to when I was in grad school. So I um, I went to grad school for orchestral conducting. Um, I had studied conducting through undergrad and been a piano major and decided to focus on conducting. And um, going to grad school, I there there were a lot of teachers, um, you know, for all of the sort of regular music disciplines that you would expect composition and theory and conducting and um and a couple of the teachers there were um well i think you'd call them sort of they were sort of old school style um sort of instill the fear of god into their students kind of teachers mm -hmm. where <laughs> it was borderline mm -hmm. okay actually scratch that completely verbally abusive teaching at oh, times wow. 
And, you know, there were students who were, who were absolutely in tears at times. Um, but what's interesting is that was, you know, so, so there was a whole learning process sort of with getting a thicker skin and being able to sort of hear what they were teaching and not the tone of voice or the, the manner in which it was taught. So, so that was a whole learning sort of side, Mm -hmm. but that's not actually the teacher that I, that I sort of think of the most because alongside that, there was a teacher that I worked with for ear training and musicianship skills. And he was also the choir director at the school. And what I saw in him and what, what really sort of, uh, carries with me today is his approach to conducting and to directing a group of people because he directed the college choir. It was, you know, a bunch of undergrads and some grad school students and, and all of that. His approach was so different. And what I learned at the hand of his teaching and, and his directing was there are a handful of different ways that Anybody in a position of a director, you know, any at the time, you know, it was a conductor because that's what I was studying. But but it really expands to any directing sort of position where you're in charge of a group of people. Anyone in that position has a couple different ways that they can get the people that are working for them or that are contributing to their project to actually work for them, you know, uh, to participate. And one is to in a professional conducting, you know, uh, feel that happens regularly, you pay people enough to do it. And so then no matter how much, you, no matter how badly you treat them or no matter how much you yell at them and abuse them, which I did see, um, mm. if you pay people enough, they'll work for you. So mm. that's one option. Another mm. is, especially when people don't have a choice, uh, there's this inclination from a lot of people to like badger people into, and, and there's this sort of verbal berating people to work for them and to actually do what they want. Mm. But this choir teacher had a completely different approach and he mm. had a way of inspiring people mm, to wonderful. actually work for him and to give him what he yeah. wanted. And he was such a kind and friendly person and was so understanding when things went wrong, when people couldn't do something. And it was always so kind and gentle the way he approached his teaching that within minutes of working for him, you found sort of invariably people found themselves wanting to give him more and to do more and to, you know, do the best they possibly could. And he ended up getting a better result and getting more people sort of committed to his vision as a conductor than anyone who I saw verbally berate people towards their vision. And Mm -hmm. he did it in such a gentle and kind way that I realized that, you know, inspiring other people to work for you is also a road to the same result, you know, having your director's vision happen. Um, And that's really stayed with me um, for, for obvious reasons that, you know, I, I direct a lot of different groups and, you know, here at the church, especially just with the, with the various kids choirs and the musical and the adults choirs. And, and my hope is that on some level, I'm channeling that side of, you know, and that teacher that, that I'm as opposed to verbally berating people to sing for me or to do what I'm asking them to do. My hope is that there's a little bit of gentleness and kindness and inspiring people to do it as well. So yeah, that's, that's the teacher who I would say, uh, I try to carry with me today. 
Well, I'm interested you say that. I think that comes across um, from what I've seen of the way you, you know, the way you interact with the kids uh, in preparing for the musical and so on. I think that really comes across that, that channeling, that care and that compassion. Oh, well, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. And one of the really fascinating things is, you know, like you said, you're, you're doing that with kids, but then also with many, many adults at the same time. And I, I've really appreciated watching you and Simon, too, for it by extension. It's rare that folks can work so uh, uh, well with very, very small kids, you know, middle school kids and adults all at the same time. And, and you both you both do such a good job really kind of shifting between the different groups. And I think you hit on it. It's like being able to being able to inspire and being able to connect and kind of bring that to everybody. It's been a real, real pleasure um, yeah, to see. Thank you. You know, and it's also, I, I think it also comes down to also seeing people rather than just a product that they can give you, which you, you know, you do run into in a lot of professional uh, music uh, fields where, you know, directors just see, you know, this singer versus that singer. It doesn't matter. I just care what sound they bring. Mm-hmm. And it's looking past that and seeing the people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a real big part of it. Yeah. And I mean, so that kind of comes to the one of the second pieces was. So since so much of those mechanisms, so much of the way that we connect and go into that was just utterly different for the last year and a half, kind of what was what was that like for you, you know, pivoting, but then also kind of, you know, you ended up doing I got to see a lot of it up close, but you ended up doing so much different work in the last year and a half. So how how was that for you and and what did it what did it sort of feel like and look like and what have you been excited to get back to. Oh, yeah. Um so yeah, when we first canceled services sort of for the foreseeable future, um it was a very immediate shift. Obviously, all music in person, you know, had to stop, but the question became how do we continue making music happen for these video services? And I I think I'm in the fortunate I was in the fortunate position in that I had always kind of been fascinated by uh recording technology and I had some microphones um my at the time fiance now wife um had done a number of professional recordings vocally and she also had some recording equipment lying around the house um and the process of transitioning to engineering the recording though was really an experience of learning on the fly I mean, I had I had set up some microphones and recorded piano myself playing piano before, but um, the workflow of ju- of you know going from me sitting down and recording something that's just one step. You know, I can record <laughs> myself at the piano, but then pulling everybody together and learning how and learning how to to send out what other people needed to be able to record their part. Mm, mm. And um, that was really an experience of learning on the fly and honestly getting it wrong a number of times. <laughs> so I the, the first large group recording that I tried to make was the um, Blue Boat Home with the Senior Choir, which was great. Yeah, but it was great. I, was, I remember that. I was spending so much time the I mean first I was also learning the video editing software as I went so that took a long time but learning sort of what the what the singers actually needed to be sent so that they could effectively set up recording equipment in their own house and record their part 
So um, that was all learning on the fly. Um, mm. But the work, the, the workflow sort of ends up being where Simon and I need to create what we call, you know, a reference recording. Um, and it's mm-hmm. usually a recording of the accompaniment. Sometimes it would be Simon would record the accompaniment or I would record an accompaniment. And then I would record a video of myself conducting to that accompaniment, package Mm. those together um, and send that video out so that then watching it, the people, the members of the choir can actually sing to the accompaniment that they hear. And that way, if every individual person is singing to the same accompaniment, theoretically, it should all line up at the end. And so then they send videos of themselves singing and I have to take all of those videos edit the audio, match it all up and line it up perfectly so that all of them sound like they're singing together. And even though everybody's listening to the same reference recording, you'd be (laughs) surprised how much people's interpretation of, you know, when to cut off notes, when to start um, is different. You know, even though everyone can hear when the piano starts and when my gesture, you know, if I send a video conducting, I'm trying to be as clear as possible. There are half second delays, microsecond delays here and there that are actually really audible. So the amount of fine tuning and, and stretching notes, it was, it just got, it it was kind of remarkable how much editing needs to happen for every individual track then. So excited to get back um, in person. How, how has it been, you know, having a couple choir rehearsals and, and singing with people in person? Oh, it's been wonderful. It's been it's been fantastic. It's not not just being able to see people and, you know, say hi and and actually connect in real time, but nothing beats the sound uh, of, you know, singing together in person in real time and, you know, making music in that parish hall. It's the acoustic in the parish hall is just lovely. And even with masks on and, you know, so far we've had up to, I think, 15 people in one of in this past weekend's actually just yesterday's choir rehearsal. Um, But it was nothing compares to to that sound and being together in real time. And and it's and you can see it on everybody's faces, too. It's just the, the relief at being back is just phenomenal. Um, and I am looking forward to next week actually starting the children's choir rehearsals as well. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, the little people or the medium? People? No, the the older, the youth choir. Sorry. The yeah, okay. it's, um, right. we'll be starting with the children's choirs for anyone 12 or over because we are requiring people to be vaccinated. Right, so right. fingers crossed that soon uh, the younger children will also be able to be vaccinated and, and we can start with all of the children's choir rehearsals soon. But for now, yeah. just for the youth choirs. Yeah. That's well, and, and we mentioned it before, but like you're saying, just coming back to live music, it was amazing. The outdoor service, the next one's coming up soon, but but the Vespers services, you know, we've I've had loved the Vespers services so different been singers wonderful. at each one, but yeah. just being in the sanctuary and being there and having music kind of like surround me, you know, just sitting there and listening to the singer and listening to you and to Simon play. Mm. It's mm-hmm. just been so restoring and, and and really beautiful. There's just something to live music, you know, that kind of conversation. You know, I love music just in general, but there's really, I hadn't realized how much I had missed it um, until it was happening again. It was yeah. really beautiful. Um, Absolutely. We'll keep doing those best services. A, the, to me, there's a kind of, there's a kind of intimacy to that, 
to that setting and that atmosphere of being in person in the sanctuary with that beautiful music with the with the candles and yeah you know it's it's uh that, that that's hard to do uh, you know that's hard to do with tech right um but and, or, yeah and, i don't know impossible maybe yeah yeah it's like, <laughs> it's like a whole different thing so, yeah. so transitioning back to being in person and being able to go to these Vespa services, that's been that's been a big thing for me as well, even though I'm yeah. not, you know, contributing to the music. I, I've really, really enjoyed that. And I mean, not to take anything away from the tech, like it's incredible what it's made possible and will yeah. continue to do some stuff. But, you know, between the Vesper services and the big outdoor service, just seeing what it means to come back to that has been mm. really has been really wonderful. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So and even even outside of a service context, you know, we uh, just yesterday we after the choir rehearsal, we did that hymn sing on the on the on the front step out in the mm-hmm. in the town green, and you know what? Some fifteen people showed up and we sang hymns together for four oh, minutes, yeah. and it was just amazing. You know, oh, right. looking at also the look on people's faces just to be able to sit there and sing, you know, um, what this is our land, and um, sing. Uh, come sing a song with me and all of these, you know, favorite hymns that we took a bunch of requests for and, and just being able to sing together makes such a difference for people. And, um, how often are you going to be doing that? The hymn sing? So we'll be doing those once a month, um, while we can still do meet outside. So they'll kind <laughs> right. of be on, you know, towards the middle end of the month, kind of opposite the in-person large services. So we'll be meeting for an in-person service Mm. just this coming weekend, October 3rd. And then we'll meet towards the end of October on the 24th, I think it is, will be our next hymn sing. And then November 7th will be an in-person service. And fingers crossed, if weather is good, sometime just before Thanksgiving, then we'll also do a hymn sing outside. Perfect. Mm. So yeah, dear listener, stay tuned to all our wonderful emails (laughs) to be able to time some of this. There's a lot going on. So one of the other things we're going to check in with folks about uh, along the lines of, you know, deepening our understanding and experience of Unitarian Universalism and the world was many of you know, we have uh, seven principles and six sources. So we're inviting each of our guests to share uh, what of the sources or principles are particularly dear to their heart or resonant for this moment. So Ian, which one, uh, which one did you pick? So it was actually a bit of a challenging choice because they're all great. I mean, I, you know, I I really do stand behind all of the principles and, but the, the one that resonates with me the most is one of the six sources. Um, and it kind of makes sense as an artist and musician, the first, the, Direct experience of that transcending Mm -hmm. mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. And what I love about that one is... Wait, say say it again, even. Sorry to interrupt. Say it again. Just if people are hearing it for the first time. There's a lot of that. So good. The six sources. Yeah. So good. Direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Mm. And what I love about that one is it is so beautifully open to interpretation. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Everybody's experience of what they find 
to be their transcending mystery and wonder, what resonates to them as, as that piece, which moves them to a renewal of their spirit, that's going to be different for everybody. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about it. Um, for me at times, that's going to be music, right. you know, and that's right. going to be the experience of sitting in a major music service while the orchestra, you know, is playing and the choir is singing. And sometimes I'm just moved to this profound experience of, holy moly, this is what I get to do. And this, it, it's just so moving and so powerful. And mm. sometimes it's, you know, sitting at home and a recording of a particularly beautiful piano piece or something like that. And sometimes that can move me to it. Um, but it's that so often there's an intersection of what I do professionally and what I need to do, you know, what, what I'm doing for the church and that experience of a mystery and a wonder Um and I guess it's it's small wonder then why I actually went into music professionally, because <laughs> right. I do find that as, you know, that mm. is often where I experience mystery and wonder. Mm. Um, but what I also love is is taking a step back from my own experience and recognizing that other people's experience is going to be different and just as valid. And other people may experience that in nature or in, you know, uh, community or communing with other people or you name it. And that's no Mm. less valid and no less wonderful. And I just love that, that open-ended nature of that particular one. Yeah. And I, Huge, huge fan of that one too. And I love especially the direct experience because that's kind of historically one of the really cool things I think about Unitarian Universalism and a lot of other traditions too. But we came about because people really were starting to value the direct experience, like an individual person's experience of truth. Because not long ago, historically, people were come to churches to have sort of a a mediated experience of truth. Like people would wait for the clergy to tell them what is true, or they'd wait for the people who they've said, yes, you have the power over me. And instead we're saying that each and every one of us has this kind of a valuable take on what is true. And that then, you know, together we create something bigger and wider and, you know, and at the same time, for me, it's interesting that, you know, this idea of direct experience, that means my direct experience, the direct experience of the individual person. But this idea of, uh, you know, forces which create and uphold life, I mean, life can mean human life, it can mean my life, it can mean all of animal life, or, but it can also mean the sense of life as in our social life, the life of our congregation, the life of our community, collective life, our being together, our, our stitched, stitchedness together as a community. And Upholding those things is something which, you know, art forms like music and our, our worship services. Um, life is life is something larger than than just me. And, and, and I like the way in which this source kind of links my experience with something which is which is potentially larger than just me. Yeah. So Absolutely. good. That's fantastic. Um, well, you're amazing. And it has been <laughs> Thank you, truly Ian. Truly one of the great joys of my ministry is getting to work with this whole staff team, but really, especially you. I remember in the very beginning when we started working together, I came to my wife and I said, oh my goodness, I don't think I've ever worked with anybody who matches my motor 
you know, I think that you just, <laughs> you are an incredibly hard worker and you bring all of the other gentleness and wisdom and all of this beautiful music that you bring with people and the kind of nurturing teaching that you do. Um, but you also well, just work so hard, man. And I'm really, really grateful um, to everything that you've brought and everything that we, you know, get to build together over the next many years. With also, I want team. I want our listeners to know, like, just how much we like working together. This is so yeah. much fun. This is awesome. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And to be fair, Chris, you I mean, you started in September and uh, well, really, you know, over the summer, we started to have some conversations and get to know each other. And um that was also gearing up for the musical because before the right. pandemic we had our usu- usual musical season and and that is when i need to just every year it was you know that's when i just have to shift into overdrive right. and september through november is just a mad sprint um and you know uh so you were sort of you were getting to know me also in the craziest time of the year um and but I, I do remember, and it is honestly one of my cherished memories of getting to know you. And um, it was after the December major music service when we had just performed Bach's uh, Christmas Oratorio. Yeah. And, you know, the, the sanctuary was packed with, what, 250 people plus the <laughs> orchestra. And there were people standing in the annex area outside your office and in the aisles and everything like that. And after the service, you came up to me and you were shaking my hand. And you said, you know, from the beginning, you told me the major music, you know, service was big, but I had no idea how big. Yeah. (laughs) And there was just this moment of actually seeing it and realizing, and I was just like, yeah, that's, that's Mm -hmm. part of what this place is about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. It was really great. So the other thing, um, we keep a little bit of time. If you have any questions for either Sam or, or I. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Well, um, yeah, I was I was kind of curious, uh, and and you kind of touched on it a little bit, Chris. Um, for you know, your first year <laughs> as our minister took such a hard left hand turn because of COVID, and you know we're still slowly making our way back to some semblance of what you might have expected coming into you know your first year as minister in a new ch- community and a new church, and. Um, I'm kind of curious to hear from you, how has your vision of ministry and sort of where the church is going to go and, and how has that shifted from where you were coming in as a new minister here versus Mm -hmm. having navigated us through extremely well, I might add. I mean, I Mm -hmm. cannot imagine having gone through this with another leader. You've Mm -hmm. you've held us together incredibly well. But how has your vision of sort of the ministry and direction of the church shifted sure. thanks to the last year and a half? Yeah, that's 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 a great question. Um, well, yeah, I think ministry and congregational growth and transformation and congregational deepening is always a conversation. It's a conversation between minister and the entire staff team and then all of our leadership and the wider community and, you know, And so I think it's really different. What I thought we were going to be building when you all called me, what, I don't know, this is my third year, which is hard to believe even, (laughs) Um, 
what we thought we were building is really different than what we're building now. I, I was just talking with somebody earlier today. And you remember in early on, we were talking about what will, how could we expand the physical building and all of these things looking way down the line. And I think right now it's, you know, that's the last thing in the world that I think we're thinking of, you know, because there's mm. so many creative ways to meet the mission that we have. You know, these outdoor services, you know, those were amazing. Those could scale up. There's so many yeah. things that we can do. So I think to me, there's so many interesting possibilities. And I think in the pandemic, I've returned to over and over again that it's also always the same, you know? It's like people want to come together, people want to connect, people want to support each other, hold each other in love, people want to work for the transformation of the world, and that's going to always be the same. So I think we've we've remembered kind of the core of who we are, and now the, lots of the containers are really different, and we can be creative in ways that we hadn't thought of being creative, and certainly our tech footprint and our tech possibilities are just wide open in ways we never thought. I mean, Ilsa Caprellian, who's just an absolute treasure and amazing, she just turned 90. She was on Zoom meetings the other day. She figured it out and she wanted to get onto Zoom. And so some people went over and helped her set it up. And I think oh, our, cool. our technical possibilities are just wide open. So yeah. I think it's been, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely still the same in so many ways. And I think, you know, certainly so much has changed. I, I think the biggest thing, when we had that service outside on September 12th, you know, I've never, ever appreciated so much what it means to have live worship together with mm, people mm, mm. than yeah. when we hadn't been physically in the same place together for that long. Yeah. And I've always loved worship. I've always loved every part of worship, but seeing it all come together again and seeing people see each other and seeing, you know, kids scampering around and, you know, it was so precious. And so I think, you know, probably the biggest thing is I'm just savoring it differently now than I was however many years ago. Um, but yeah, no, that's a... That's a super interesting question. What about you guys? Has you know? I think the same question. It's like, what did you? Th what do you think is possible now, having having been through this time and coming back together? Has it sort of shifted what you think is possible at First Church? Um, I think for me, yeah, I, I would agree with your with what you said about tech opening up. You know, new possibilities. I think. You know, two years ago, none of us would have seriously considered a viable sort of platform that we could uh, have meaningful services and music, you know, as YouTube, you know, the just videos up on YouTube did not seem like a very church thing to do. And I wouldn't have really seriously considered it. And now it's, you know, having having gone through a stretch of time where that's our only option. Now it's it's been it's become so clear that that is such a viable option and that having this this online presence and being able to connect with people from across the world and, you know, the country and across time zones and whatever is is really important and is really valuable. So I think that um, while a lot of what I do, I think, is going to return to to the way it was before, because really in-person music is is something that really can't be replaced 
but it can it can certainly be supplemented with this online you know sort of uh experience and and worship possibilities for people who aren't able to be here in person and i think that really mm -hmm. it's important mm -hmm. to be continuing that and i i really do think that two years ago i would have laughed that idea off <laughs> um but but it's proven really valuable yeah yeah so yeah what sam about you, what sam? about you well, I think the thing that I found myself thinking about a lot is that a lot of people are looking for, you know, the experience of the sacred. And that means some, that that's related to the idea of authenticity. And they're looking for mm. something real and authentic. And that doesn't have to be just in person. There's something irre irreplaceable about the in-person worship experience, about the in-person, you know, chalice circle or small group ministry, the, you know, in-person community. But something that I'm going to continue thinking through um, is how we recreate those things online, you know, through our podcast, through our social media, through our Zoom, through our various channels, um, how, we, how we create this kind of authenticity that people are hungering for and which, which brings them to Unitarian Universalism. Mm. Um, so the combination of kind of what we call digital ministry and in-person ministry finding 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 the right balance that 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 leads people away from the you know the 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 chaos of the world and the chaos of tech a lot of the time we're, we're yeah. so, so besieged by images and and sounds and sometimes we just want somewhere quiet we want mm. somewhere meditative you know we want a place that's a place apart and uh yeah yeah, yeah. and aside from the digital side i also want to throw in the the Vespers services that we have, you know, these small sort of limited audience uh, that we're doing a couple times a week now, again, that's something that has sort of arisen out of necessity, mm. but I love them. And yeah, I think this too. opportunity for this small, uh, intimate, quieter, meditative, candlelit service is something that I would love to see continue as well. Yeah, me and, too. Me too. you know, eventually it'll be something that we can have 150 or 200 people there. If that's how many people want to show up, that would be fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I would love to see a sort of midweek 630 in the, in the evening um, candlelit service continue for, for the, the certainly as long as I'm there at the church, because I think it's such a beautiful worship opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Perfect. Thank you so much. This was this was a great way to kick this all off, and and you're amazing, and we're so grateful to. Yeah, thanks, Ian. This has been so much you. fun. <laughs> yeah, this was awesome, and well, um, thank yeah. you both for having me on. This is I, I really welcome the opportunity, and um, yeah, I look forward to seeing where this podcast goes and who else we get a chance to you know get to know. This is going to be great. Yeah, we, we you're just going to have you back every week. Oh no, but before you go, um anything to plug <laughs> stuff that's coming up or people oh, yeah. should know about? Um so the biggest things are um children's music program started as I mentioned earlier, it's not all of the children's music uh or not all the children's choirs yet, um but youth choir is going to be starting soon. Um children's choir the all the way down to age 5 as soon as we can get, you know, everybody vaccinated. So fingers crossed that comes up soon. The plan at this point is still to start the musical in January. So we will be doing our usual, you know, first church musical on stage in the parish hall, just uh, performances at the end of March, the mm -hmm. weekend that's at the end of March and beginning of April. That's something to look forward to. 
Um, and if anyone, the adult choirs are also looking for members. We have had a number of people that over the pandemic have moved away and it would be wonderful to get some new faces and new singers involved. So if anyone listening has wanted to sing in choirs, has sung in choirs before, um, there is room in both of the adult choirs. We've got the Nova Choir, which is an unauditioned group for anyone, regardless of skill level or experience. If you wanted, if you've never sung a note in your life and always wanted to, then, you know, you're welcome. And then there's also the senior choir, which is for people who have some experience and um, is by a relatively informal and low pressure audition or conversation with me. But um yeah, we are welcoming singers of all ages, and it would be really nice to sort of rejuvenate and and grow those ensembles uh, now that the pandemic is over and we can sing together. So that, I think, is the biggest thing. Perfect. Well, thanks again, and we'll be uh, packaging this up and taking out strange noises and sending this along, and then hopefully... <laughs> doing it again in say a week or so we'll we'll see where this all goes but whoever has made it this far thank you so much for listening and yeah thank you sam and thank you ian this is thank you chris thank you this is a great beginning all right thank you all right bye everybody